Hey, everybody. (laughs) 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 All right, we're just going to keep going with that one. Um, (laughs) Hey, everybody, and welcome to Friendly Fire. Uh, Ben and I haven't uh, talked in about a week. And in this episode, we're going to talk about culture and catch up a little bit. Probably going to laugh quite a bit, too, because I am in a really silly mood. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good, man. I'm in the same place. Yeah, we're we're a little silly today, which I love. Things are good, though. I mean, we've had good weather in Texas and a really productive week. And yeah, life is good, man. I'm in a really, I'm just, I'm enjoying this Friday, drinking coffee and all those things. And I'm glad you're back. It has been, we've talked on Slack, but we haven't chatted. We've missed our kind of couple normal catch-ups, you know? Yeah, things are, things are good. I, uh, Spent last week talking with everybody on the team and trying to get a baseline for how everybody's feeling, what's going on. And, you know, given everything we've gone through, we're in a pretty good place. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I think we, we pre-shared a little bit, but to catch everyone up, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but, you know, the, we've had the, you've written the blog post and we've talked about the things where we've said we want to be intentional that the company that engine is a place where people can be the best versions of themselves. And I think initially when we thought about that, it was, you know, like the things I say is like, you know, if yoga is important to you and you want to do yoga first thing, do yoga first thing. If you want to do this, if you want to work from home, like it's all those kinds of the mechanics of it. But what I love is what we're focused on now and where you're really spending your time and energy is talking to people and making sure we don't have, things that we don't know about affecting, you know, culture, because those are the things, like you said, you know, you, you can kind of facilitate, uh, how would you say you can facilitate what you want culture to try to be, but like, really it just makes itself right. Yeah. You you can guide it. You can guide culture, but especially in a distributed team, um, culture is tough in in located teams. I I think it's a little bit easier, um, because you can feel the vibe when you go in in the morning In, in a distributed team, you are the vibe. You know, it's like you're kind of carrying whatever you have. But, but yeah, to your point, you know, talking with everybody, yeah, there's lots of things you can do that that help culture. You know, I mean, like allowing people to have that time in the morning to do what they want to do or, you know, there's so many things out there. I mean, we take half day Fridays, right? That's kind of a cultural thing. That's That allows people to have that early start to the weekend and they get to hang out more with their family, which helps with work-life balance and those things. But But because of what we've come through, um, because we were a small team that's growing fast. Uh, how many people are we right now? Are we eight or seven? Or eight. We're eight people. We're eight right now. Eight people yeah. right now. And figure in February we were three. So, so that kind of growth. It might not sound like a lot, but it's a tremendous amount. And you've got three of us: uh, myself, Lori, and Russell, who were here through a really bad time and, and probably have some baggage on that. I think you and I have experienced in some of our conversations where I get a little gun shy because of of things that have happened. And then we've got you and, and four new people who are just excited to be here and, and don't have that legacy of, uh, of what happened. Um, so I think the big thing in talking with everybody and what I found out was that everybody's very optimistic. Everybody's not really sure uh, what's going on in terms of expectations from them, things like this, which is what you would expect because we haven't really had a chance to slow down and say, 
what are the policies, what are the standards, how are we going to do things? And we can't really lift them all at once, right? We, we really need yeah. to focus on what's going to be the most important. And the other thing I did at the same time, and we just started this this week, so it's not done yet, but talking with clients and finding out, you know, how are we doing? Because employee engagement and client satisfaction, those are the keys to a healthy company, right? Yeah. And I think that was, all of it's been really interesting because I had a, I've had a big focus on the last couple of jobs I've had of just culture and how people are happy and how we manage those. And I think as, as we've grown, it's like when we got beyond four people, like I'm, I'm really interested. I've got a Google doc and I should probably share it with you so you can write things in there. I definitely should share it with you, but I want to write down what happens as we grow, right? Like what number, because at owner camp, we talked a lot about, you know, there's this sweet 16 under 20, like after 20, it really gets crazy and all these kinds of things. And everyone was mimicking that, but I'm already starting to notice things that, right? Like, like four people, there are meetings that start to happen that people aren't invited to, right? you know, like that was the one at like four or five people. Well, now we're big enough that you don't just not, it's not like, Hey everyone, let's jump on the phone at three. And then the thing that I, I missed on was, Hey, when you bring someone new in, we do the team interview and we do stuff like that. But I think we're going to have to, maybe it's this podcast, but we're going to, at some point we're going to have to talk about the titles and how we get titles figured out and yeah. internal titles. And do we need them? And how do we get rid of them? Cause that's a big one is as we've gotten bigger, someone comes in with a title and if it's not clearly written somewhere, like this is what this title means. And I think it has to be done ahead of time. Like, here are the people we're looking for. Here's what that means. Um, but when you're small, you're just trying to hire good people, right? You're like, Hey, this is a good person. They can handle this part of the company. We need them to do that. I, I completely agree. And, and titles are a huge part of culture. I mean, when just, I, I just got back from creative director camp and there was a lot of companies there that have titles, but don't put them on their business cards. And so that was like an interesting way to approach it for me when, when we look at things and actually there were, uh, <laughs> there were four things that I really focused on and I, I got it down to two communication is huge and a lot of things can fall under communication, but communicating, you know, what a title means. I mean, that would, that would be a perfect example and communication across the company. It can't, it can't stall out in a certain circle. The other thing with communication is as new people are constantly coming in, they have to be told all the stuff that was said a week ago. You know, they have to have that opportunity. I'm excited. I was talking with Chase uh, last night, just a little bit. And, uh, he was saying that he's catching up on friendly fire. So it's really cool that this is actually becoming a tool for onboarding. You know, people are, are finding out what we're going through, who we are, um, our approach to things and what the company is going through. But communication was huge. Collaboration was the other one. And so just making sure that at the beginning of a project, everybody who's going to be involved is in the kickoff, things like that. And the thing is, we're, we're moving so fast. Sometimes we don't know what the project is. So you don't know who to have in. Right. Well, yeah, and that, that was the thing with Chris this week is Chris started a few weeks ago. We got him in town partially because we have some clients here that we want him to meet, but just because we really wanted to sit down and focus on like the process of projects. Right. And he said the same thing. It's funny that the last two people we've hired um, have been listening to Friendly Fire. And like I said something and he was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard you say that. And I was like, I'm pretty good. I will. I think I'll be my. I think I'll be the old guy later in life that tells the same story to everyone. And you'll hear me say it 30 times. But right now I feel like I'm pretty good with that. But I was like, well, I don't, 
when did I say that to you? And he's like, oh, no, I heard you say it on Friendly Fire. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't realize you've been listening to those. And it is good that I think that gives some history. Um, but I love, like, so we did, we, you know, did decided to do, okay, when someone comes in, we're going to do, like, the welcome email. That's not, that's not anything new. I mean, companies do that. But we were like, we want to be intentional about welcoming the person the day of. And I feel like we did Chris's welcome email, and there are a few things in there you and I discussed. And then based on your feedback and talking to some other people, I think we did Chase's email and it was better. And Lori even told me, um, I like how you, I think I forgot how she said, but essentially we did a better job of explaining what Chase was coming in to do, right? you know, versus going, and we intentionally left the title out of that email. And I think from a cultural perspective, that's what I'm excited about. And I, you know, I'm a process guy and I'm a lots of things guy, but I think that's where, this week, we haven't talked about this, but this week, what I kind of honed in on was, I think it's going to be really cool because Carl will get the information, Carl will get the, the pulse, he'll understand, we'll talk about those things. And then we'll look at either that process is already in place, and so it's obviously not doing what it's supposed to, so we need to find a way to improve that. Like the welcome email, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. I want to continue to know, okay, these things go, when we hire someone, this is what we say about them to the team. But then if something's missing, I'm excited about putting something in place for that, right? And going, well, yeah, that's totally right. Like our project kickoffs need to happen this way. And we're not doing that. And so I think it's one of those things that it's this catch 22 of I've always been leery. It feels lazy to say that you, and I think that's why people get so pissed is to say, you know, you can't affect culture. You can only guide it. You can only put kind of bumpers down and the ball is just going to go where it goes. And I think there's a part of that that feels defeatist because you're like, ah, oh, I want to be able to control culture. And it's, <laughs> it's, you know, you can't, but you can affect it, you know? And so you can do something and say, hey, here's something I'm going to do and let's see what that does. But you can't, you can't plan it out like a, you know, strategy where like, I'm going to do this and it will do this. What? You can say, I'm going to do this. I think it'll help this, but let's see, right? Yeah. I mean, cult- it, culture is so much... It's how people that work at the company see the company. So I think you definitely can impact it by doing good things and giving people the ability to relax at work and do great work. But the bigger thing, and this is what comes out of talking with everybody, you know, and and it's funny, everybody bashes ping pong tables now and um, bashes, you know, free beer and and all the things that, that we all kind of circled around three years ago. But the reality is it, it's that communication and clarity and collaboration and feeling like part of the team and feeling like you know what's going on. That's culture. You know, even if you don't like something that happened, but it was talked about and you had a voice, that's culture, right? That builds how it is you feel about the place where you work. And no amount of video games or open vacation policies or anything can make somebody feel good about where they work only when they're invited to help guide the company. And, and that's where transparency comes in. And, and I mean, there, there can be a lot of things that you and I look at and, and try to figure out. And I think we're going to be in sync on them. But, you know, even when we look at core values and core values are huge, you know, we had a small conversation around, do you present core values or do you invite com- conversation around core values? Right. And, and we haven't had that conversation yet, um, but I am kind of curious, like, what your take on it is, if I'm not putting you on the spot too much. 
My take on which core values are important? Or no, how core values get established. Are they presented to a team or is the team part of the process? Man. Um, it's a tough one, I know. So I've historically always thought that the company should define the core values that they strive for. And it should be the three or four. Like, these are the things that, from a leadership perspective, we hold. Like, these are the things that we want to focus at and aim at and, and will help. Like, when we're in a position where we're making tough decisions... Um, you know, we want to make sure like if you're, if you say integrity is one of our core values, well, when we're being measured as leadership, we're, we're being measured against, um, those core values. Are we leading a company against these core values? Then the outpouring of those core values, kind of the mantras or the other things are run by the entire team, right? That's what I've always thought. And I don't, I don't know, like I'm open, I'm not hard set in this. Like that was what I was thinking about initially was coming and saying, you know, being gracious, like gratuity, integrity, um, excellence and innovation. Like those are all really generic, but those are the ones that like, for me, I think those are my core values, right? I want to have integrity. I want to be gracious with people. I want to just gift and give beyond what people expect. I want to, and, and professionalism is not one of them. I don't care about being all buttoned up, but I do want to notice that, but <laughs> I, I do want to be excellent and I do want to continue to grow. I do want to continue to be innovative. And so those are mine, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's something scary about taking the whole team and having them set the core values because then as the team changes, you have to redo it because the team, you know, is different. So I don't think the team sets the core values. I think the core values are set understanding the team. And I, I, that might sound like a subtle shift. But what we did, I guess it was about a year ago, um, and I, I felt really good about this process, was everyone went through this simple exercise that was, uh, I think it was published in the New York Times or Inc. or something, um, but it was a simplified version of finding out what your core values are. And you do it by saying, okay, when were you the best in your life? And when you were the best in your life, name some characteristics. When were you the worst in your life? And when you were the worst, name some characteristics. And, and it takes you through this. And it, it takes the better part of six or eight hours if you're going to do it seriously, if you're really going to focus on it. Um, and so what we did was everybody did that. I collected the information, looked at where the trends were that also made sense for the company, and then went back. Now, the problem was we had too many, and I think that was definitely an issue. But the the big thing to me when you look at it is people already work here. And so if we present core values that are somehow out of sync, which which is really hard to do. Most core values you write are so freaking generic, <laughs> right? Honesty. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I can't agree with that one. Um, yeah. But I think if if people aren't part of the base, and then I think the core values have to be part of your hiring process. I think people need to understand the core values coming in because it's not the kind of thing that can show up after. Yeah. And it has to, it has to be something you feel. Um, I mean, to your point, when you're making a difficult decision, you have to look at it. And if, if transparency is one of your core values and you're about to make a decision that you don't think the whole team should know about, well, then maybe you shouldn't make that decision. Um, yeah. at, at the same time, I think when you start looking at core values, you also need to use it not just for the big decisions, but also for the little ones. Because if, if we're going to be an autonomous team 
if we're going to have, you know, some structure around growth and some structure around support, which is really, really important, but we want people to be able to make good decisions without having to slow down the machine, those core values can be a guide. And, and that way people make good decisions. And, and if there's ever a decision that doesn't go well and the discussion happens, they have something to, to lean on and say, well, you know, looking at the core values, this made the most sense. Um, yeah. I, I think that's huge. And, and one other thing on, on that is core values and culture and communication and collaboration and, and however we measure all of this. I think one of the important things and, and honestly, one of the tough things for me is to always focus on the positive and always focus on the improvement. Um, there, right. there are going to be things that go wrong. And for me, I need to not have flashbacks to the, the time where a lot of people got hurt with a layoff. I need to have, you know, the foresight to go, okay, this is where we're heading and it feels really good. And Ben, right now, dude, it feels really good. I mean, there's some scary parts about it because growth is scary. Um, and their new names. Everybody seems awesome. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk with everybody except for Chase. We're going to talk later today. But it, it is one of those things that's that's a little terrifying when when you see something growing fast. Yeah, it, it's scary, and I think these are the things that are exciting um, because you know when I built that business plan last year and, and knew when I was starting, you know, I was coming out of a place that the last two had had really strong core values. And I think when you get to the point where you're using them as tools or weapon weapons against people, it's the reason why I think religion is hard. Um, <laughs> when you know when you have a set of rules that you start using as ammo versus foundational guide and things, um, I think it, you know I, when I've talked to Chris and Chase and Caleb and these guys, um, you know a lot of people have asked, well, why did you guys buy people Apple watches? And I said, well. It was, it was twofold, really. Um, one, we have a core value of, of gratuity. We just want to gift our people well and let them know that we appreciate them being around. And two, we're a tech shop, and it was a cultural bump, and we wanted people to have them and be able to speak intelligently about tech, right, and say they've had it. And, and so I think there's been this subtle communication. And so it's hard because I do think, I think I feel like we, we need to know the core values that are somewhat, like, aspirational, right? Like, if we were running... At, at like just premium, we're just, we're just great. We're just, things are good and we're doing what we're supposed to and all that. I mean, these are the things that I think I, they're, the, they're the things I want our clients saying about us and the people we hire, but I was going to bring that up and you said it. And I'm glad you did. It's like the, the, the other side of core values is they're part of recruiting, right? It's like, here are the things that we hold most important as a company. And it's this, it's this weird catch 22. Cause I think how you define the core values is based on like the time, like where your company is in time, right? Like what if you're some big 80 person dev shop or design shop or whatever consulting firm or franchise hot dog stand place. And you've decided we don't really have core values. You want to add those in. Well, geez, that's where you're super at risk. Cause you have all these employees that have defined them themselves. I think in the, in like the lack of core values and talking about them, people think, well, this is what we're about, you know? Yeah. Um, we're about shipping, we're about billing, we're about money. Right. And, you know, and, and it, you can be like, let me be clear. You can be about that. You can be about profit. You can be about excellence in the way the business is run being that everyone bills the most. And at the end of the year, <clears throat> we've made a lot of money, 
but yeah, I think I think it's this catch twenty two for us of where we're catch twenty two is not the right thing. The, I think where we are right now, I think we're going to be really aligned. I think there'll be one or two. I don't think, I, like you said, with core values, it's not like I'm going to throw out integrity, and you're like, eh. It's more the stack rank, right? And just to say, I, I think it's important for people to feel like they're a part of it. Um, they have a voice in it. They can talk about it. And and yeah. even if it's monthly on a, a hangout or whatever, but just to revisit the core values, you know, I think makes sense. And yeah. so so you went through and, and told yours. Uh, so my core values, and I've got five of them, and, and this was going through that process and really thinking through when I was the best in my life. Uh, the first one was honor. You know, when I was honorable, when I when I did the right thing, when I thought about other people first, and when I tried to always take the high road, that was when I got better things done, right? Um, if I ever tried to short circuit or not pay attention to other people, that was definitely when, when things went to hell. Um, purpose, it's like it has to be for the greater good. It has to be for some, there has to be a reason to succeed or else I just don't get engaged, you know? It's, uh, I just fall out. Openness, which which is kind of transparency, but... It's just in sharing, like how I'm feeling and what's going on. And you and I have seen that a lot just here in, in Friendly Fire. Um, collaboration, I've never done anything great on my own. <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of shitty to say, but I don't think anybody has. Um, and then the last is simplicity. I am not good with complicated things. You know, I really need, um, I just need things to be easy. And so that, you know, for me, but those core values could never be the core values of the company, right? But when you start to put them all together, the idea of purpose, right? Well, yeah, or integrity and honor kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, so I think that's kind of it. You, you see what bubbles up to the top, but makes sense based on where we're taking the company. And we don't even really know where we're taking it, right? I mean, we have some ideas and, and we have a, a business plan, but the way the world works, it's going to show us who we're going to be. Right. It's, it's going to give us some options we have to choose from. Yeah. I love that. Cause we were, I was out, um, at the, the golf tournament that happens here, um, last week with one of our clients. And I just, I love the way that his brain works. And I love that he is one of those guys that's like in, into openness and he, he, I mean, he may put, be pushing partnership, um, not like formal on paper partnership, but just the concept of partnership even more than, than I do. Cause it's just like, he's like, man, I just want to spend some time together and talk and, you know, we're on this journey together. And he asked me, we were just sitting there and he said, you know, what do you want this to become? What do you want this to be? Like, what are you guys growing? What are you doing? It's really exciting. It's fun to watch. You know, you obviously have a direction where you're going and it's a hard question to answer because like, while it's why I also feel like the question of like, where do you want to be in five years is just a really bad interview question because the right, the right answer to that is, I don't know, like wherever five years takes me, you know, like five years is too much, but it is interesting. And I think like, I love, I wrote down in a, in a little Evernote real quickly that core value so I could see them side by side. And that's such a, that's such a good point of like our core values can't become the company's core values. And I think anytime I get that and you, you're learning this about me, but anytime I get this gut reaction to where something feels weird. Um, usually what that means for me is I need to define why it makes me feel weird and then I can move beyond it. It means there's something I need to think about or recognize before we move forward. And I think what has felt weird about like involving. So first I'm, I'm great about 
involving people in the core values. My thought was we come up with the ones that we like, that we think are good. We bring them to the team and say, here's what Carl and I came up with. We think these two, probably just in general, like from what we see and what we're doing and how we work, really makes sense. But we just want to get your guys' input in here. And I go through that. I definitely think going through that is a good process. I want to make sure we lead it. Because I've always hated those meetings. It's like, okay, uh, we're going to name this product today. It's like, <laughs> okay. You're like, so go start throwing out names. And you know, there's like no time to prepare. And I think we do that. But what's bothered me about involving the team, it's what you said. I don't want people's personal core values to be pushed for the company if they're pushing it because that's something they feel passionate about. You know, I don't want it to be like, well, yeah, no, I think, you know, this, which our team would never do that. That's why I love the size of our team. I think that's what's worried me to say that out loud. It's like, well, are we going to end up with this list of 27? And then when someone reads our website because they want to come work with us, <laughs> they're like, whoa, these people don't know who they are. I just want us to know who we are, you know, like the unapologetic ones. And that's the thing. It, you, you boil it down and you find where the – heaven help me if I use the word synergy. You find, <laughs> you find where the groupings are. You find where the consistency is and, and where people are feeling – the same. And then you just find the words that work. I mean, that's the thing to me that the other thing is, and this is tough with core values, right? But um, if you want to have a culture of accountability, and, and that's really important to me, because, you know, I love the team we had before. I don't know that we had a culture of accountability, though. It was a culture of love. Um, the team really loved each other. They really worked well together. But we didn't hold each other accountable until it got really bad. And so and this was something Dan Mall was talking about recently um, when I saw him in Philly. And, and this was also a part of a conversation that I have with a lot of creative directors around accountability. But, you know, to get a culture of accountability, first you have to have clear understanding of standards, right? Like what is expected? How is it that we behave? Um, and that's everything from, you know, the hours that you put in at work, how the, the quality bar, um, everything, like what are the standards? And they have to be established in such a way that they can be measured because we do what it is that we measure, right? Or the, that is measured. So if somebody's measuring something, that's what we're going to focus on. That's why people do key result areas and all the, the corporate type terms like that. Um, and then there has to be an effect of those measures and hopefully positive effects, but also sometimes they're going to be negative effects, you know? And to me, it's, you, you know, the team, is very much where you look when things go wrong, not necessarily an individual. You go, okay, well, what is it that we didn't do? And, and it's hardly ever process. You know, process is really important, but when you have a big negative, process is a scapegoat, right? It's like, oh, well, we should change the process. No, we should all work better together, right? Um, so to me, it's, it's standards and making sure they're measurable and making sure there's a real effect that's, that's explained. It gets back to communication, right? That's thoroughly explained and understood. And and for me, I think this is where we really need to focus over the next few months. And, and a big part of what I want to communicate with the team is we can't do it all at once. So I, I think the first thing we should focus on is communication. I think that's going to be the foundation of this company. It's going to be the foundation both internally and externally. And, you know, the one thing when you look at what um, and we've only had two responses so far from the clients. Uh, that I, I sent the survey out to, they all said that um, the sales process was great, like dealing with us coming in. They all said that uh, they were getting exactly what they expected. They all said that 
they would refer us to other people, which is the key question. Like, would you refer us to a, you know, another company? But the one thing they both said was communication got a little shaky, but now it feels really good, which, which shows that upward trend, but does show that both internally and externally, we're going to have the same problems. So I think communication is the first focus we have, and we just get really on purpose and to the point of possibly being annoying about how we're going to communicate and like e even things like the tools we use, what goes in Slack, what goes in Basecamp, what's a text, what's a phone call, um, what's a group hangout. Um, and then communication in the sense of like you were saying, right, with kickoff meetings, if somebody's in the city, there's nothing wrong with them being with the client. If somebody else on the team is not in the city, but they're on the team, it's really important that they can be part of that conversation, even if it's a conference call and not a video chat. And so to make that a, a focus, we have to make sure the location, whatever it is, right, just, just make sure that it, it facilitates that. And that to me is, is like one of the things that we can focus on in the next month and see huge improvement. So. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that was, that was a big leading with Chris was, uh, as we're transitioning, how project management happens and how we're communicating. It was cool. I think for the first time we were looking at tools and going, like we were weighing the merits of a private group for the client, right? In Slack and going, should we do that? And there are people who said, ah, oh, man, you don't want to do that. That's giving the client too much access. They're going to be annoying. But there's always that decision, right? Of like, they're paying you money. They're hiring your people. If you know you're doing what you're supposed to and you're working, you know, with integrity and you're doing it, why, why would it matter? Like, why would, why does it matter? But then the other side is, well, where do we, we still have to be able to communicate privately. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's key. I think we started that, um, we can't have someone have had their expectations set only from a conversation, only from a meeting, right? Because when you're not confident and like, what's expected of me, how am I supposed to deliver this work to the client? How do I communicate to the client? It can't be based off of memory. There has to be that like purpose doc, right? Like here's, here's what a good client delivery looks like. Here's an example. Have you checked these things? Here's what a good client communication. Here's a good client. Like here's a good kickoff. It's really rebooting the wiki, right? Um, for our team, for our core values and making sure that we're defining that clearly. So when someone like Chase, who's coming in and helping or Chris or these new people that are coming in can go, okay, how do they want me to deliver this? And where do they want me to deliver this to say, okay, here's where you deliver that thing. And here's, here's what we think excellence is right here. Are the standards. I love that. I love that saying what you're saying, you know, about being able to measure against standards. We need those so that when new people come in, we can't just assume they know they'll, they'll figure it out from another designer or, you know, they'll know by watching another project manager, it has to be like, okay, the first three days, day one is HR stuff. Day two, go read any project we're putting you on, go read all of Basecamp, read the Slack, get <laughs> caught up, you know, and day three, look at our sample deliverables, look at our purpose docs, look at what we define excellence as. So once we put you in front of the client and you start delivering, it's excellent, you know, and not, not excellent by what you think, but excellent what we all think. And if there's something in there, we can, and if you can make it better, make it better. That's what we talked about on our wiki. And this has been like super impressive with Caleb coming in as a younger kid, um, coming in and being like, Hey, I think if we did this, it would make things better. And you're like, yes, it would. And we're going to do that. And so we talked about having that kind of suggestion box on every one of our 
purpose docs of like, hey, see anything here that needs to change? Have suggestions? Hit us up, and then we'll revise it, and we'll grow together and be better with that. But yeah, it is the communication. It's the platform of, you know, if I'm stressed out about something and I'm up early in the morning and have a delivery that's due the next day, and I just want to make sure I do well, like I should be able as, a, as anybody, employee or leader or whatever, to go and go, okay, let me have a checklist to make sure I'm doing this the right way. Let me make sure that I know what the context and the expectation is so I do it well. And I think that's what's missing. I loved hearing the feedback of context and expectation are the things that are missing. We're communicating a lot, but we're not sharing expectations and we're not kind of giving all the context at times. And so I'm real focused on that, but I love it. I love growing and getting better and not just ignoring it because I think everyone's worked at companies where these are our core values and like you can be like, well, they do half of them but they don't care and we're moving too fast and it's all about the billable dollar. That's it. You know, it's the billable hour. They sell other stuff, but really just bill and you're fine. You know, yeah, that's not what we're trying to build. Well, and, and it's consistency too. And so you, know, when, when expectations are not solid, it's because, I mean, honestly, again, it's, it's where we are in the, in the company right now. There's nothing wrong with this. This is just what we get to focus on now, but that consistency, right? It gets back to titles. Like what are the titles? What do they mean? Who, who has titles? You know, are they internal or external, all that kind of stuff. It gets to the idea of a client in Slack. Well, if a client's going to be in Slack, then all clients should probably be in Slack. And if you have an internal staging Slack, that's totally cool. You, the client doesn't need to see behind the curtain. They probably don't want to. But they do want to have access where they can come in and just communicate. And if Basecamp's going to slowly become a wasteland, then we do need to make sure that there's that access. So I, I think having clients in Slack is great. Um, obviously, I'm not working on the project, so it's easy to say that. But but the other thing I would say about that is if we're truly making clients part of the team, then they need to be part of the team. And so that that's about collaboration, right? But but then just really for me, the consistency side is about us making decisions, doing it on purpose, documenting it, sharing it, communicating about it, giving it a valid amount of time to to try it and, and get used to it and then adjust if we need to. Right. So I, I'm stupidly excited right now. I'm stupidly uh, excited about where we're heading and and the opportunities that we have. And I just want to make sure that that we really grab it, you know, and uh, and put this thing in place because it feels so good. And there's so much information right now. I, I'm excited to catch up with you and Chris uh, on what you guys went through in terms of process. And I, I know you guys were catching a lot of handoffs just on on projects and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just really excited about where we're at and excited about figuring out, you know, how can we be the best communicators and making great communication, the core of this company? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of being, that's, I'm writing, writing great communication. Yeah. I mean, I think and those <laughs> are the things like, this is the kind of thing, right. That it's like, as lame as it sounds, like I want the core values to be sales tools for us and people to get excited about it because it's like, Oh, if they really say they're going to do that and they do it and this project's going to go really well. Right. Like, and I love that we're going to be accountable. We're going to have those conversations, you know, and, uh, but great communication. I love that man. And I think we'll, we'll get there. We'll figure it out. We'll get the team involved and we'll figure out what we want them to be. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a fun time. And I think there's a lot going on and we're getting cool, uh, clients that want to solve problems with us and, it's just fun, man. I'm really happy with the team we have and I'm really cautious about, um, 
I was looking at talking to an, an old designer friend or an old developer friend this week too, and he's just kind of he's just kind of a negative guy. Like I was asking him about technologies, right? And it was like, bah, it sucks, yeah, it sucks, everything sucks. <laughs> and it was that thing of like, well, now I like him even more protective of our culture, right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to bring in someone. So if we have those things in play, I think it'll be a, it'll be good to guide against and measure against, so we're not just going through gut and everything. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Maybe even three years ago, if I had heard somebody say core values as sales tools, I probably would have cringed. But when you just said it, I kind of leaned in and, and was agreeing. Because sales tools aren't about getting business. Sales tools are about getting the right clients and getting the right employees and getting the right decisions made. Another way to say sales tools is just, you know, I mean, it's a guiding light, man. It's just it's just putting something out there that attracts the right people to you and, and helps you find your way down that path. And and so call it sales tools, call it whatever you want. It basically focuses the company. And, and I feel like, you know, and it's really early. I swear I'm not drinking. Um, I just I feel so good about uh, about where we're heading. Yeah, it's the sales thing's funny because like I, I've had really good sales mentors, and I think I'm like probably sales is my best like hard skill. Like I can sell really well, and I think it's because it's all relational to me. You know, it's about it's why I don't worry as much about other shops. You know, like I was talking to someone about yeah, I'm talking to this guy that runs this other studio, and like we're kind of comparing notes, and it's like whoa isn't that going to like cause you issues? And I was like, no, because they're totally different than we are. They're pricing differently, you know? And I think people discredit the fact that, you know, the sales cycle is like a dating thing. Your website's like a match.com profile, right? And the first sales pitch is the first awkward meeting. And then by the time you're in a project together, it is a relationship. And so treating people that way, it's like, yeah, when I say sales tools, I'm glad you know me enough to know that it's these, initial data points that help you understand who we are so we can continue to talk and see if it's going to be a match. Right. Yeah. And we mean that. I mean, when we do our first meeting with people, we're like, Hey, we just want to get on the phone with you, hear about who you are. Like we can talk about the project, but really we just want to see what your values are and what your goals are, what problem you're trying to solve and see if we're a match, see if we fit, right. See if our skills fit, if all that hard and soft. So no, it's I, exciting, man. It, it does. I mean, you know, you, you've probably changed my perception of sales just because it's something you're passionate about and it's not slimy, right? It, it's truly about connecting, like you said. Now, the Match.com thing, I don't know about that. but I don't know. All, all I know is I saw an amazing Tumblr that was humanitarians on uh, Tinder. And it was just all all people who are in, like, Africa and stuff as their, like, Tinder profile with, like, kid on their shoulders and stuff. It's funny. You should check it out. Show notes. But, yeah, and, people in Walmart. We'll put some, we'll put some fun Tumblr <laughs> blogs for you guys. Well, Carl, Dude. we did, we did this one. Yeah. We always do. No, it was great catching up. And, uh, again, just, you know, culture, so key and communication is the first step. So that'll be what's coming up for me. Um, I'm actually on vacation next week, which is weird. Cause I thought it was in two weeks. I screwed that up. Oh, nice. And, uh, hey, communication, it's key. And uh, and then I go to Oslo to be part of the uh, NDC conference, uh, Norwegian Developers Conference. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, we've got a 
we've got a, we're going to send a newsletter soon. We're getting that worked out, but yep. I'm going to be in Maine. I think when you're in Oslo at, um, Portland, Maine's their startup and whatever week. And it's this awesome week downtown Portland. I'm speaking at the university and I'm on a panel, a bunch of fun stuff. So we've got to get some of that out there, but yeah, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll get some catch-ups in place and we'll keep going. And then end of this month, I'm in Florida and you and I are going to get some face to face time. So hopefully there you go. Episode 11 or 12 will be another in person. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Maybe we'll even dry race board, like record a session where we're like really making something. No, that'd be fun. Um, as always, if you guys have topics, you want us to talk about things that we maybe tiptoed into and then out of quickly for no reason, but you want to hear us talk more about decisions we're making is how we're continuing to grow engine. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. It'll be, uh, in the, on the site and everything, but at Ben Jordan at Carl Smith on Twitter. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. We are just grateful for all the feedback we hear from you guys and we'll keep doing it as long as we don't get in a fist fight and end the relationship, which I don't think is coming. I think we're good. No, no imminent fist fights, Carl. No, I think that's (laughs) awesome. And, uh, and thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon. I knew it was coming. I knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Hey, everybody. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs>